We took these four steps last week, just jumping right in. Remember, we talked about, what did we talk about? Repentance, the repentance road. We talked about, really, we talked about three steps, but there are four. A sinner should do what? Abandon his sin. We talked also about the word sin, what sin is, all these things in a, in a very encapsulated little section. A sinner should, first of all, abandon his sin, right? Stop doing it. Two, regret the sin. Three, vow to never return to the sin again. Those are three of the four. Who remembers for extra credit what four was? The most important part. Confess. The word is vidui in Hebrew, which we're going to talk about. And you know what? Last week I told you, if you weren't here, you'd go back and listen to it. But I, I told you about the experience that I had with my middle daughter where I realized my personal revelation yet again in the month of Elul in this process that so much still needed to change in me and, and how I had failed in my role as an encourager and realizing and seeing honestly about the work that still must be done in my life and asking God to help me in these days of change. That was the story. First of all, Elizabeth Williams reminded me, she said, you know, there's a place to recognize your failures, but you also have to be aware of the fact that at least you're sensitive enough to recognize. So that's true. Don't be too hard on yourself. All right. But last week, I forgot to tell you actually the most important part of the story, which it turns out is by design. Because what I didn't tell you is that after all that happened with Taylor and I hurt her feelings so badly and I knew it and I could feel it, I called her. She was downstairs, but I called her because it was 12 at night or something. And I told her, I'm sorry. I hurt you. I'm sorry. I have before. I, I, I know that I did. And I could hear in her voice that, that it did hurt but that the words, I'm sorry, when they are delivered from a place of meaningful heart, they work in amazing ways. And she didn't need to know. She didn't need to know, you know, about all the discomfort that was going on in me or the personal struggle that I would need to embark on to correct this part of me. But, but for it to mean anything... I had to say it to her. I can have all the personal revelation in the world, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Animitzta'er, you say in Hebrew, like modern Hebrew. Animitzta'er, I'm sorry. But this is a different thing. I'm sorry. The fourth part, the most important part. Well, I'm certain what you've been waiting for every moment since last Shabbat to come in here and figure out about confession and your failures and your shortcomings. That's exciting, right? Everyone loves that. It's a great thing. It is a great thing. It's really important. So let's discuss that briefly. I want you to consider, first of all, the similarities that all of those first three things that I told you have. Stop doing it, regret it, vow to not do it again. There's a very common 
thread within all of those things. Those things create distance from the sin. Those things are you making a statement that says, I will distance myself from these bad things that I'm doing. And I will stay at a distance. I will keep, I regret that I created this, this but I'm, I'm far away from it. You create distance. But there's a unique component in number four, the idea of confession. What does it do to something? It's a connection. It draws you into the thing. It is an acknowledgement. It is a, it is a taking hold of. It is ownership, actually. Drawing us near, you know the word korban, karov in Hebrew. It's sacrificial language. When you bring a korban, when you bring a sacrifice, when you karov, what do you do? You draw near to God. That's what it means. So when we are confessing, when we are admitting this stuff and saying it, we're not distancing, we're owning we're coming into close proximity with it. I did this. I'm responsible. And it's the way, actually, to restored closeness with the injured party. Sometimes, not always. That's not the focus of today. But, and that relates to whether it's between you and God or especially between you and another human. The acknowledgement, which... We're talking about connection and closeness. But that raised the question, why not just start there? Why not just say, all right, whatever, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, there's a, there's a story in the Talmud. It's not a story. It's an example in the Talmud that explains why we can't just cut to the chase. Let's do this efficiently. Let's just, all right, I've hurt you, sorry. And on to the next thing. Why can't we do that? Why can't we make it easy? Well, in the Jewish sources, and, and, and it's about purity and it's about immersion, but Rambam connects this in a unique way. Story of the reptile and the mikvah. You know what a mikvah is, right? It's a baptismal. It's an immersion pool. In his laws of repentance, Rambam draws on that Talmudic uh, example, and he says, Anyone who verbalizes his confession without resolving in his heart to abandon sin can be compared to a person who immerses himself in a mikvah while holding the carcass of a reptile in his hand. His immersion will not be of any avail until he casts away the carcass. Okay, you understand the example, the mikvah is supposed to completely purify, but if you're holding on to the thing that, that, that disqualifies you, you do not achieve and so the example then is the reptile is for you to walk up to somebody, the I'm sorry being the jumping into the mikvah carelessly while still holding on to the thing in your heart, not even acknowledging it, not being willing to make a change. It doesn't work. You can't do that. That's what the thing is. And so the act of tshuva, of repentance, involves this deep introspection and remorse and commitment to change. And if you treat that lightly, it's counterproductive. It just, and, the, and the recipient, who's ever had a false apology? Who's ever been on the receiving end of, okay, I'm sorry, right? A lot of us. But the thing is, all the parts must be present. And that means 
No confession, no repentance. And the Torah provides the model for this. It I told you, this is the commandment. This is the one thing that's commanded about repentance. The Torah provides the example in Bamidbar and Numbers. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel when a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord. And that person realizes his guilt. He shall confess his sin that he has committed. Okay? In Leviticus, when we're learning about the sacrificial system that God's brought forth, when he realizes his guilt in any of these and confesses the sin he has committed before laying hands on the animal, like that's the point of confession, not after the sacrifice or anything like that. That's where the thing starts. And this is the commandment about how you draw near to God. Simply put, well, Proverbs puts it pretty simply. This principle is, you find it in this statement in Proverbs 28, 13. He who confesses and forsakes his sins will be treated with mercy. Personal responsibility. You ever heard that concept? It used to be like a really big thing in the world. It's not so popular anymore. But personal responsibility for what you do, what you say, and who you hurt, it's a thing. And, and the pieces work together. But, you know, you, you can't just create the distance from the sin inside yourself. As we've talked about, you know, we, we go down, we look at our banners and our past, and sometimes we have to go back and own it to go forward into something more. But, but why? Why? Why is confession a thing? Now, this seems obvious. Everyone who's a human being understands the power of I'm sorry and that. But I want to dig a little bit deeper into that. Why? The, what's the big deal about confessing it? If I do the three things, if I stop, if I regret, if I don't do it again, that's pretty good. I mean, except for the other people. Right? Except for everyone else. Sometimes it's the saying that cemented. And, and, and I know that's obvious, but why does this help? Well, several years ago in a teaching by Rabbi Foreman from Aleph Beta, I, I stumbled across one of his videos that he was teaching about. And it stuck with me ever since. And, and this is the why of your words and your confession and your I'm sorry. And it comes down to this vidui concept, which... To, to confess. The con that, that actually, Vidui, is, as I've told you before, the, the central part of Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement is the confession of Ashamnu, we have sinned. Al hate for the sin which I committed in this and this and this. That's the Vidui section of Yom Kippur. That word, though, Vidui, is not actually in the Hebrew Bible. You don't find that word. Okay, it has a, it's drawn from a root word, which, mean, which is yada. Yada. Now there's two yadas. Yada, one spelled with an, uh, they're spelled differently. There's a yada that means to know. But this yada, which we draw vidui, has a very wide range of meanings. Listen to them. Praise, give thanks, confess, thanks. Make confession, thanksgiving, cast, cast out, 
And so from the same word where we get vidui, we also get another famous word that you probably know. Who knows what todah rabah means? Todah. Todah means thank you. Okay? Thank you. And in the Amidah, we just said it today, Hatov Shimcha Luchanei Lechodot. The Chodot is from that same word. That blessing is called the Chodah. That word means thanks. And the interesting thing is that those words, Vidui and Todah, come from the same word. And they mean like sort of opposite things. I'm sorry, thank you, from the same word. Okay, and as you look at me confused and say, what the heck does that have to do with anything? Let's, let's talk about it. There is a similar concept that's found in both of these words. Confession, the action of confession, and thank you. I'm sorry and thank you have this unique confession. Thank you. I'm grateful because I recognize that you did something for me. Todah. Thank you. I'm grateful that you did something for me. I'm sorry. I recognize that I did something to you. You might think of it, well, you might not think of it that way, but, but, but you, you need to realize that we're recognizing in, in both of these actions that there is an unbalanced relationship. This gets a little down in the weeds. But there's an imbalance, and relationships crave balance. The world craves balance. And I don't mean the, the world, the thing that everyone talks about, the bad place. The world craves balance. Relationships can be out of balance in good ways. They can be out of balance in bad ways. Here's a good. You do me a favor. You babysit. You loan me money. Human nature is to restore that balance. To restore and repay the favor. Bad. You start a rumor about me. You hurt me. You cause me pain. Human nature is to restore that balance. You know what that's called? Revenge. That's the restoration of balance when I've been hurt. I will hurt you back. We need balance in our relationships. It's an odd thing that people don't want to owe anyone anything. You don't have to do that. No, I, uh, no, don't. It's fine. I got it. Like, no one wants to owe anyone anything. And that's, that's not the point of today, but relationships crave a balance. And of course, there are times when balance simply cannot be restored. What about when I can't reciprocate? Okay, well, when you, when you can't reciprocate, or if you're a person who can't stand having good done for you because you can't restore the balance, you become a bitter person who, who like takes nothing and secludes themselves and they're unhappy. Or, or if you're the person who can't handle the imbalance of, 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 a, of a hurt in your life, you're also bitter and unhappy because you're always thinking about that thing. And how do I get this balanced? How do I get this person back? Okay, there's times when you can't do that. 
But hoda'a, that's this thank you, this prayer of the Amidah. We recognize the imbalance, the out of balance. I realize how sterile that sounds to look at our relationships as, you know, in a, in a, in a balance scale. It sounds sterile, but in truth, it is human nature. And we acknowledge sometimes, we do this with God all the time, talk about an imbalanced relationship. We recognize, I could never pay this back. I am so thankful. Thank you for this, for all of it, whatever it is. And I am so sorry that I hurt you. I can't undo this. But I am so sorry. And I'll do whatever I can to, to restore us whatever level of balance we could be back in. You see the close connection between, I'm, between those words, thank you and I'm sorry? Does it make sense? And in this act of recognition, we, we restore these balances. The other three things that I mentioned to you, they're very important, very important things. But they don't restore balance. They don't put things right. And, 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 and a relationship, only confession can, can really do that. Now that's a broad and bold statement. There are situations. I just don't have time to get into all the details, but I'll come back to that. We face this reality. We're out of balance by our words, by our actions, whatever. We reconnect. The words need to be said. But that is insane how powerful those words are. How powerful. And so consider the todah. Thank you. You give me $100. You give me a birthday card. You repair my car, whatever it is. And I'm so happy, right? I'm real nice to you. I smile when I see you, Andy. I talk nice. I have a happier tone in my voice when I'm talking to you because you gave me that. Hi, Andy. Thank you. If you don't say thank you, it doesn't matter. You have to say the words. People don't know. And you can flit around and be nice and do everything else, but you have to say the words. The same with vidui. You see, in that example, I'm grateful, but you would never know, because I'm not going to tell you. Same with confession. I hurt you, but, but, I've resolved to not do it again. And I've stopped sinning, and I've distanced myself far from that sin. But I'm not going to tell you anything. You don't need to know that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because unspoken is undone. If I never say, I'm sorry, if I, if I never confess, if I don't recognize the imbalance, I have failed the relationship. I am sorry, but you wouldn't know because I can't, I can't bring myself 
unspoken is undone. The, acts of con the act of confession takes us back to the ideas that I told you about laws of repentance, which the, the immediate response to that is laws for things that are of the heart and so emotional. Yeah, there's a set of laws in Judaism. Stop sinning, regret the sin, re make an acknowledgement to not do it again, and then go and repair the breach. And when we, when we, on Yom Kippur, when we say the confession, we will all stand together. The laws, you don't... I'm sorry. Ashamnu. You stand up. Why? Because you acknowledge it. You stand. You don't lean. You are intensely focused on the fact that I need to repair. So the laws are really, if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, because I can't command you to do it, I can't, God can't command you, but if you're going to do it, do it right. And these are the ways. You know, whether it's thank you or I'm sorry, remember these three words. Unspoken is undone. And this is, really, this is really one of the greatest hindrances to reconciliation because people say, I can't do it. I, I, I can't do it. I mean, what, what if they don't receive it? Or, you know, I, I, I got to admit I have to put, take all my layers off and be vulnerable and go in front of this person. I can't do it. That's, well, you can do it. You know where you can do it really easily? Before God. That's always the easy part, isn't it? Why? Because we understand that repentance was created before the foundations of the world, and we understand that God is mercy before his judgment, and we understand that the gates of repentance are always open to us when it comes to God. But you understand that Yom Kippur says, sins between God and you can't leave all of the man and woman sins unreconciled. Yom Kippur absolves for sins between man and God, but not between man and man. Why? Because of this nagging concept of personal responsibility that we need desperately to own. And listen, I, I feel, this is a feeling I have, that it is undeniable that leaving things undone is worse than our fear. Now, we, we cannot miss in our me-specific world what true repentance is. Only confession, one out of those four things, only that is interpersonal. Only that really restores relationships, recognizing the relationship is in need. It only that says to the person, Kristen, Karen, Harris, you're valuable. I care about this. Only vidui completes the mitzvah of loving your neighbor because loving your neighbor means what? 
like you would want to love yourself. How do you want to be loved? When you're hurt, you want somebody to say, I'm sorry. And when you have done something, you'd like someone to say, thank you. It's not, it's not uh, brain science, rocket surgery. Right? So the act of teshuva, the laws of teshuva, this is the proper way to give others what you would want them to give you. Now there's a practical, pra there's a practical element of this that I just want to scan through because it might be in, in someone's mind. It's certainly in, in the practice of this. How much do I confess? All right, I've mustered it all up, I know, and I've done this person wrong, and how much, how much do I confess to this in this situation? Well, should, should I pour out every detail of everything that happened that they don't even know about behind the scenes? Oh, you think that's all I did to you? No. Listen, now that we're, now that we're setting this thing out here, let's shake up this Coke can of, of offense and injury. I'm sorry. Like, how much? There's a, there's a, there's a, concept in Judaism that's called derech ha'eretz, or derech eretz, which means li literally the way of the land. But it's, it's like ethical. How do you walk? How do you navigate ethics in the world? Common decency. It's this guiding principle. It emphasizes that we act with consideration, with sensitivity, empathy toward others. And so according to this concept, when seeking forgiveness, you should take into account the potential impact of your words before you coke can explode your apology all over someone because there are certain things they don't need to know. But here's what happens. I've seen it happen and I think I've done it before many times. You get to this point, you have this meeting or you have this heart to heart and you sit down and you're sharing and you're thinking, you know what, it's going really well. They seem to be very receptive to what I'm saying. I'll tell them everything, everything. Because, you know, need to clear the air. I'll tell them everything. You don't need to tell everyone everything sometimes. You just don't. You know, what, you know where that comes from? Our own sense of guilt. And sometimes that's a punishment you just have to bear. That's just the way it is. So no, I'm not suggesting, and I want to be very clear, that if you have people on your list that you've had 30 years of distance from, that you go out after here, pick up the phone and call them and say, listen, I want to give you the rundown on everything because you need to know. Sometimes all they need to know is my heart is broken for our relationship. I hurt you. I'm so sorry. You might might have some license to tell them why you did it, but that also is not often important when you just simply can say, I'm sorry. So we're not talking full, un, uh, full disclosure here that, it, th that a, a general apology with genuine remorse may accomplish more than the encyclopedia of sins you need to unveil for this person. So you can deal with the other things. But listen, all of this provides the interesting perspective we need on 
most parts of repentance. Balance, as I said, is a vital part of our lives. Ecology. In, in ecology, the natural world thrives when ecosystems are in balance. Predators and prey balance out the world. Social harmony, societies function best when there's a balance between your individual rights and the collective good. Economic stability, supply and demand, physical health. Our body is an incredible system of balance, homeostasis. Work-life balance, workaholics versus super lazy. No, we have a balance. We have a healthy balance. So it is no surprise that when there are imbalances in our personal or God relationships, we need to restore it. And that's what Dr. Foreman showed me. Balance. Balance. Right? And this is... You know, you know that feeling, here's, a, here's an example I thought of this week. I'll, I'll just use an example of Kelly and myself. Uh, like, you're going out the door to go to work, and something happens. I mean, this is completely hypothetical. We've never had a crossword in <laughs> 27 years, but you're going out the door and something is said and for some reason, it, it's on, right? Like there's just, you have this thing. And, and maybe some words are exchanged. And you leave unreconciled. Maybe slam the door hard. I wouldn't, she would. <laughs> you leave. I talk to Kelly like five times a day. Okay, just, I get bored, I want to talk to her about something or hear her voice or whatever. I almost got fired from a job when we were dating because he was like, we're, we're aware of your phone call log and you're not doing anything but talking to this girl all day at work. But it never really stopped. It developed, anyway, sorry. So you leave, slam the door, get in your car, huh. Who does she? But here's, here's the, how the rest of the day goes with no reconciliation. It's like this. Right? You're trying to do everything you need to do, like, but, but you're, you're completely out of balance. You have a, or like this. There's a big weight on your back. It's actually in your gut. It's in your heart. You can feel it. There is that weight of imbalance because a relationship is maybe not in long-term jeopardy, but is not in a good place. And people who go through life like this eventually get so down and so burdened that they can't even move. Those are the big things in life even the little things. And so what do you do? Unspoken is undone. One of you, and for most of our marriage, it was her. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. And half the time, more than half, let me be fair, it was me. But her, her balance meter was more sensitive. Her her interest in restoration and not having that weight 
It took me years, and I've said this too many times before, it took me years to understand that there's nothing hard about acknowledging and being the person to go first. To say, even if in your mind you're thinking, she's crazy, she's completely illogical. To say, I'm sorry that went that way. I did not want to start our day off. Whatever, you know, just go. And then you can stand up straight and you, you, you restore the closeness in the relationship and you're making your distance moves personally to not do that again and you're regretting it and you're doing all this, but because you got that off your back, you're coming in close. The connection is restored. Two words, I'm sorry. And I understand it's not that easy. I get it, I know, but I'm just saying the general concept works and it's the fourth law of teshuva. You must do it. It's what I said last week from Pirkei Avot. When, when do we repent? When do we make this? And when do we make this effort? When do we get this started? Repent one day before you die. Well, how will I know? Exactly. Exactly. That's the teaching. And Rambam says. One should always repent from his sins immediately and should not say, when I grow older, I will repent, for perhaps he will die before he grows older. And he'll put you in your coffin like this because of all that weight that you left, all that distance you left undone. There's a fantastic thing in Ecclesiastes where Solomon says, at all times your clothes should be white. It's a, a favorite of mine. Your clothes should be white. It's a theme for the high holidays. You know, we wear white, and, and especially going forward, listen to that. What is a white garment? A white garment is a garment of purity, a garment that speaks of being clean, of being forgiven, and having forgiven, which sounds a lot like James. Confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed, which brings us squarely to the intent and the mission, the, the gospel message of Jesus. When should I repent? Now repent, for the kingdom of heaven is drawn near. That is the gospel message. Now he's talking about a big thing there. But he also says, remember this? If you're giving your offering and you remember what? That your brother has something against you. What do you do with the offering? Put it down. Go and be reconciled. As a Messianic Jewish community, as a Messianic synagogue, I guess I could have just said that one sentence and that would have been the message because he's the teacher. He's the example. Put it down. Go and be reconciled and come back and pick it up. That's to God. Put it down, go and be reconciled, and come back. Why? To, to dishonor God when I'm there to provide, to, to offer this? 
No, because God cares about that. Bold statement, just as much. And I don't have any deep theological backing for that. But I know that Yeshua says, love God and love your neighbor. I honestly believe you cannot do that without this. And so I honestly believe that God cares as much about that as this. Which is why Yeshua says it. All right, sorry, rambling on. Here we go. Is Teshuvah commanded? No. Is confession part of the commanded process? Yes. Interpersonal restoration, unspoken, is undone. So when you make the choice and everything that we're doing right now and me driving home the point that I've driven home for the past 14 years, a time of repentance, a time of reconnection, the month of Elul, all these things... In the words of Shaul in Romans, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And that Solomon thing from Ecclesiastes, let your garments always be white, that's only half of the verse. He then says, let oil not be lacking on your head, which I'll talk about another day, but that's it. So here we go. We're all set, right? We're all set. Got it done, man. Four steps. I'm in. Well, there's a really, really tough part that we haven't said one word about. What about when you are the person on the receiving end of the horrendous treatment and no one is or ever will be showing up to tell you, I'm sorry? What do we do with that? Talk about a weight. Talk about, talk about a burden. Talk about something you feel in your innards and your guts. What do we do with that? When no one is restoring balance, when you want revenge, you're the wronged one, no one's confessing anything, you're hurt, you're suffering. That is a very terrifying word for many people called forgiveness. And it's a hard thing. And that's what we need to talk about next week. Shabbat Shalom. Mm -hmm.